of That Marriage Podcast. Today we are discussing baggage. How childhood expectations of marriage and the marriages you witnessed as a child can shape your ideology of marriage and even the spouse you become within a marriage. And as we've said previously, Joe and I are very different in our upbringings. And so we're kind of laying out our childhood baggage on the table today. Yeah, uh, so I kind of fall in a regular uh, normal category that unfortunately is prevalent in American culture. Uh, my parents are divorced, uh, so I have I've had to just deal with that baggage and kind of go through all the faces that every divorced couple's children, I don't even know how to qualify that. Um, Child of divorced parents. Yes, uh, actually the way that I like saying it because this is really abrupt and kind of in your face is uh i'm a child of a broken home um i know it sounds really so awful but that's how but if that's how you feel then but that's that's... how i felt yes um so it 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 was really hard uh because obviously you you know that it's not your fault i always knew it wasn't my fault but it definitely felt like it was my fault no matter how many times you know my my dad and my mom will go through the whole, you know, spiel. It's not your fault. We just don't love each other enough. And it's like, so I couldn't keep you from loving each other. Like, what's you know, well, and it, you were how old too? I, I was also uh, four, going on five. So you know, in my mind, it's like, did I not make my bed enough? Uh, was I not too nice? Did I not do my dishes properly? Or what? You know, what was going on? Um, so it, it, there was a lot of mixed emotions, and obviously, you know, the whole. Um, kind of going to court and you know doing that whole thing. I still have that vivid memory. That was really weird. Um, at the time it was scary. Now looking back, I'm like, why in the world was I there? Um, but again, you know, um, my parents did the best they could with the information they had. Just looking back, you know, definitely should not have been there. Uh, so shame on the judge and lawyers who decided that I should be there. Um, but, uh, because my parents were divorced, uh, this happened while, uh, we lived in Puerto Rico. Uh, so my dad decided to move, relocate to Philadelphia. Uh, so my father moved away. Um, and that caused a whole lot of, uh, messed up feelings in me. Uh, that I didn't realize uh, was something that I personally had to be dealing with for a very long time. Um, obviously, you know, the whole uh, going to sleep, like, did he not love me enough? You know, maybe he really didn't like me because he moved away. He couldn't even just stay around. Um, and even talking about it, I'm just like, oh, I'll get messed up now about it. Um, so Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that memory or oh yeah that's some, those are re- like this those are repressed repressed feelings deep down inside um so you see guys this this is baggage this is childhood baggage so if you are uh have children just think about that uh you're gonna mess them up forever um <laughs> sorry mom and dad um but yeah so so the, these kind of things are, are it was hard uh, and then on the other side, my mom, you know, she was just uh, obviously just in a total emotional roller coaster wreck. It was it was awful. Um, she she just wanted to have that relational fulfillment that she 
that she desired and that she felt that she needed. And looking back at it now as an adult, um, uh, she definitely deserved that. Every I believe that everyone should uh, have that relational fulfillment that we all need because we're creatures of uh, relational creatures. Uh, so that's something that my mom wanted. Um, but it, it took a toll. Um, as the firstborn, uh, I kind of became the de facto confidant, helper, um, counselor, someone that consoled her. And that made me very angry uh, towards uh, towards men. Uh, I created this deep resentment of um, this picture that I had of what um, a Latino man was supposed to be. Uh, so yeah, so I have a lot of baggage. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot. Sorry, Jessica. That's a lot to deal with. Um, my parents have been married for thirty-one years now, or going on thirty-one years. But it's not the dream that I guess maybe Joe would think that it would be having parents who are still married after that many years. Um. Both of my parents' parents are divorced and remarried. So the only real successful relationships that I felt like I was seeing were my great-grandparents, which it was, they were not, um, he was not my biological great-grandfather. That was my, my great-grandmother's third husband, um, which I didn't learn until much later in life, but he was always, a, he was around from, from my grandmother's early childhood. So, and he was the person who raised my father. So my great grandparents were an example of a great marriage for me and my parents because they weren't divorced seemed like they would be a great example of a great marriage. But that also gave me a lot of pressure because my parents have been together since my mom was 14 and my dad was 18. And so Growing up, I knew this, and I knew that my dad was my mom's first boyfriend, and my dad only had one short relationship before my mom. And so growing up, I thought that whoever I dated first had to be my spouse. So every relationship I went into, I thought that I have to, I have to marry this person. I didn't understand the concept of I'm dating this person to get to know them, to see if maybe I want to marry them. I started that relationship with like, this is it. I'm going to marry this person. Poor guy. And <laughs> I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. And weirdly enough, something else that I did not know was abnormal until I was probably too old to realize it was that normal married couples sleep in the same room my great grandparents <laughs> had separate bedrooms I still don't know the reason why my dad said it's because they kept each other awake and my parents did not sleep in the same bedroom they shared a bedroom because we were too poor to have an extra bedroom but my mom slept on the couch and my dad slept in their room 
the majority of my life. I don't really recall a time where my parents shared the same bed. And they always said it was because their snoring kept each other awake. But, and then when I went to friends' houses for sleepovers and things like that, usually there was a parent sleeping on the couch because it was closer to where the kids were to make sure, you know, nothing went wrong or whatever it was. So it wasn't, it was only in movies and TV shows that I saw parents going to sleep in the same bed. And I thought, you know, those are just TV shows. That's not real. (laughs) So it was weird. And so obviously growing up with that idea that like, you have to make sure you marry the right person off your first relationship, but not sleeping in the same bed is normal. And my parents went through, they've been together 31 years. They've been married 31 years. They've been together even longer than that. They've gone through nuts things. And as a teenager, I was actually kind of resentful of that because things did get pretty bad for a little while. Um, finances, health challenges, just regular family drama. Um, I, I saw some pretty bad things. Not that my parents were, my parents were never abusive or anything like that, but I, I heard fights and some storm outs and some things like that. And I, I remember hearing the joke that, well, if, if mommy and daddy ever divorce daddy's gonna have to live in the basement because we're too poor for him to go get an apartment that's a that's a good reason i don't know no let me just finish that scene i mean i think my parents at not probably not now but at one point in my life my parents were probably the epitome of staying together for the kids and i appreciate that now as an adult i understand that level of commitment um and it's not that i I didn't appreciate it, but I didn't understand it. They both seemed so unhappy at one point. Um, I didn't understand the commitment level of marriage and how much you have to take that commitment seriously in order to follow through when life seems like hell. And so that's the baggage that I brought into this marriage. Now, Joe was not my first boyfriend. Um, I, I ended up not marrying my first boyfriend. We were 14, not even, it was eighth grade. And, um, I have no idea where he is now, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, like how, how things you experienced in your childhood will shape the marriage you become a part of one day. Joe is only hearing some of this for the first time as well. So he's a little bit flabbergasted. No, actually, I've heard this before, but it still shocks me every single time I hear it. Um, no, that man, that's that's a that is such a high standard to live. And I'm just going to be honest um, to those who are in uh, the courting or even searching like you're just literally out in the field looking for something uh that's not reality uh, that is like a one in a billion chances that you will find like your first spouse as your first like that yeah. oh absolutely <laughs> and the thing is that my parent my parents literally have like a disney story they really do for actually. it's pretty 
for their relationship. My parents actually grew up across the street from each other. And they always kind of knew each other. It was, you know, a a neighborhood thing in Philly in in the eighties. Both families are like both families know kind of other. know each other. My mom had multiple family members that lived on the street. Um, so they knew of each other. And then one day my mom was on her front steps crying and my dad came over and said hi to her and asked her to come hang out. And it's that was history. They've been dating since my mom was 14 years old. She had just graduated eighth grade. She was going into high school. My dad was a senior in high school. And that's that was the, their story. They He went to her junior prom, senior prom, and then shortly after that, they got married, and then they had a puppy, and then me, and then two other children, <laughs> and we were the quintessential family of five, middle class, mom stayed at home babysitting, dad went to work during the day, I mean, you and, would- And he's a rock star. He is a rock star. We will talk about that a different day. I don't have that much emotional strength to deal with all the rest of my childhood baggage <laughs> as far as my dad being a rock star. I'm just going to say I love listening to him singing. We will go there another day. <laughs> um, but that's the... I, I grew up in a Disney movie. Or so I, I thought that's what it was supposed to be. And so... So it just didn't in, seem very uh, fairy tale like, uh, like, and lived happily ever after kind of stuff. No, I yeah. mean, yes, technically by a lot of standards, your my parents were still married in the mid two thousands, and they still are married now. I mean, that to most people they think that's a fairy tale that that parents stay together, they don't get divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, I. Even that was pressure. Like when my friend's parents were divorcing, it's like, oh, well, your parents are still married. But little did they know that my dad, I guess we'll go there. My <laughs> dad was a rock star and he was gigging a lot of weekends. Um, so he wasn't home every weekend. I mean, he was home. He would come home later. But my dad would go to a gig and then we would go to a soccer tournament and my parents didn't spend a lot of time together. And they, you know, my friends didn't know that my parents would fight about pretty much everything. And so I was supposed to be loving the fact that my parents were still married, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. Yeah. So, so growing up, uh, I'm just going to be honest. Like, yeah, I wish I would have had that. Um, I would have taken the, the the fights and all of that. I but again, you know, this is just from my perspective. Um, but but going in, into my my baggages again, um, because I, I you know I, I've oh man, let's see, with the exception of eight years of my life, my mom has been pretty much very physically close to me um so uh growing up it 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 was it was her it was myself and two other siblings and then later on um two little girls uh came along the way and they messed up the the perfect uh thing that we were having also his siblings 
uh, yeah, my my two twin sisters who I love and also cringe at because they're going through teenage years now, and it's like, wow, teenage years are awful. um there's a difference obviously when you're going through teenage years and your siblings are like about to get in there so you're all like yeah i'm I'm about uh 14 years uh yeah i'm 14 years older than my sisters and yeah i cringe at everything they do and say it's like wow they are weird uh but anyways um because i was so uh i've been very close to my mom um I love her a lot. Uh, I guess you can um, say that I'm a mama's boy. Um, but because of, of the suffering, the pain, or just everything that she went through, um, I really resented um, the picture of what a uh, Latino man should be. Um, and, and that made me really... Uh, now this is now going away from parents now to to cultural, um, as as a Latinx um, uh, millennial, I very much hated this machismo, uh, the chauvinism. I just I just couldn't stand it. Um, it was the reason why my mom was getting her heart broken. Uh, she was um being treated awful. Um, and, and I, I revolted against that. I I hated that, that, that concept. And, um, I'm actually happy that, uh, I, I found Jesus because I actually was able to find for me personally, uh, the solution for, for that mindset and that, that kind of, I don't know, it's awful place to be in. Um, but, but I really hated that. Uh, now, uh, in in today's society, I'm not trying to say that I ever questioned my my orientation or anything like that. I just really didn't like the picture of what man, what I thought man should what be. What a Latino man should yeah, should like be. I really should stand for yeah, and I, how I he thought, should act. Yeah, I thought that being being a Latino man was literally being a heartbreaker, and I hated that. And that was that's a big, uh, I guess, cultural faux pas. Yeah, is that I mean, even at growing up as a white American girl the latino boys they were heartbreakers they were sweet talkers they were the smooth guys they you know they were machismo yeah yeah, they were machista (laughs) well yeah Yeah, i know what you mean but sorry that's my spanish is not perfect it's it's a working progress um but that was something that even outside of being you know living in Puerto Rico that was the expectation of a latino man yeah and if you weren't anything like that then you were not a man i was going to say you were pato yeah uh uh queer i guess yeah uh but but the thing is like it wasn't so much about it it didn't go into orientation issues it just went to just not a man like just you 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 weren't like it wasn't even masculine. like oh you're yeah you, you it wasn't like oh you're gay or you're queer it was just you, just, you weren't you're not a man you're, you're not a man you're yeah. just, I don't even know how you're... to describe it <laughs> um but but then what what made things worse and I think this is where then I started having um internal wars with myself was the more I was fighting it 
the more I found myself doing it. So I began to, to see myself as, or not began to see myself, I began finding myself really doing what I never wanted to do. I saw what it did to my mom. I saw what it did to other um, females in my family. Um, and I hated that. But then I found myself doing that. Actually, it was, it, it was so bad. I remember uh, when we first started dating, Jessica said, you know that you are a flirt. I was going to say, you, you know you were still like this when we started yeah. dating. And when, go ahead, why don't you, it's easier if you, if you say it. So it was something that you, that's how you were when we first started dating. And yes, I was a little bit attracted to that. Yeah. <laughs> um but it almost became a personality trait for Joe to to be this flirtatious and ladies man. Um it was like you were trying so hard not to be that person that you just kind of took on that as a persona that you were just like, "Oh, I'm not going to be a flirt. I'm just going to be friendly with everyone." Which I think some of that was a, a a language barrier thing. I think you didn't recognize how the the words you were using in English came off a different way than they were supposed to be meant, or even a social thing where behaviors that were cultural in Puerto Rico, where you you go up and you hug someone, you know things like that, especially to teenagers, those are very flirtatious actions, and the way you were talk was was very smooth and very not sexual but sensual you used a lot of pet names and you would kind of just you had this ambiance that came with your your speaking and your presence and if my boss is listening i have to stop being like that (laughs) he has because i said at one point i said you do realize that these women think that you because we worked in customer service at the time and I said, you realize that these, these girls and these women think that you're flirting with them. You, you know that, right? And Joe was like, no, I'm, I'm just being friendly. That's just who I am. I said, no, <laughs> that's you're flirting. Whether you realize you're doing it or not, that's how it's going to be perceived. I promise you. And so that was something that even us as a couple we had to kind of work through because I was not okay with him flirting with other women and he did not think he was flirting with other women. And so it kind of had to be something where I would have to tell him like if we were out and he would be extra nice to someone, which yes, he was just attempting to be extra nice, but the way it was coming off was flirtatious. I made Jessica jealous. I have a jealous personality. It's not that hard. <laughs> I, when you told me that, I had an internal crisis because all of a sudden now I am faced with the reality that I'm doing what I swore to my seven-year-old self I would not do. Um... So, so I really needed to just kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out, like, internally figure out what, what's going on with me. Um, and, and I think that 
that created you know more more of like kind of this i don't want to say anxiety but uh but I, I was definitely very cautious um not to the detriment of my own personhood or anything or my self identity uh, but I definitely was cautious because um I felt like I wasn't true to who I wanted to be if that makes if that makes sense um so so I wanted to make sure that in order for me to be the best husband for Jessica um I I needed to be true to the person that I wanted to be and I think a lot of that came with you learning more about I attribute it a lot of that. Obviously, I didn't know about this internal crisis. Um, But I attributed a lot of that to you just moving to the States. Joe had, when we started dating, Joe had only been living stateside for a year and a half or so, maybe a year. And so I just attributed a lot of his flirtatiousness and things like that too. Oh, well, he doesn't realize that that's how things are perceived in the states. And and the thing is that that is how it is in Puerto Rico. Like that is a very natural way of communicating, if that makes sense. It is. And so but I didn't like that. No, and you didn't like that. And the thing is that like that's still baggage of like mm-hmm. what we expected like that's what i expected a latino man to do and it was something that like i it was a non-negotiable for me um but i didn't know that this was something that you were wrestling with personally i think i've done pretty well You've done very well as far as not flirting with other women Yay. in the past eight years. So good past therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot that um, goes into what you think a person should be in a marriage, mm-hmm. and even outside of a marriage, you don't realize how much viewing relationships will build what you expect a relationship or a marriage to be you see grandparents great-grandparents parents friends parents tv shows even a pastoral couple of you see these different images of what a marriage should be and you build this idea in your head of how it's going to be and it's never going to be like that. Yeah. No two relationships are ever the same. My parents have never gone through a pandemic together before. <laughs> My great grandparents did not go through a pandemic together. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Parents now are trying to navigate internet. I mean, my parents, they didn't have internet. It's, it's, everything is going to change. You can't base how your relationship is going to be just because you've seen it before. Yeah. You, you kind of just have to give yourself to God and really trust that God will bring you someone 
that he wants you to be with. And you have to just step out on faith and trust that God will do that. And it's scary to think that, you know, I'm just trusting God to bring me this person that he really wants me to be with. And then you just have to make that commitment. You have to commit and say, okay, God, you brought me this person. I'm committing to your faithfulness, to this person's faithfulness. And that's what, that's what we're going to do. We're going to commit and sometimes the love will be there and sometimes it won't. Sometimes we'll sleep in the same bed. Sometimes we won't. And except that marriage is going to look different for everyone. But we haven't done that yet, except we recently moved. So, and we actually took, uh, what would you call it? The, The railing in Lena's crib. So now it's a day bed and we were kind of afraid that she would get lost in the house yeah i mean yeah yeah sometimes you'll sleep on the couch just because you're having a bad you know you can't get comfortable in bed whatever that's that's a different situation altogether um but so far we my 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 motto is i spend a lot of money on this bed i'm sleeping on the bed you're never yeah (laughs) our couch was about the same price but well, the couch is really comfortable. It's neither too. here nor there. But yeah, when we do sleep in the couch, we sleep, we sleep together. together. Yeah. So <laughs> now that we've told you guys all about how much we sleep together, thanks for tuning in to this episode of That Marriage Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.